0: First of all, I would like to thank the brethren for this opportunity to meet with the saints again. We were coming down in the car, and Jean was reminding me the first time we came here was 36 years ago. And it was our brother, uh, Don Gustafson Sr., that introduced us to the assembly here. So it has been for us over the years an o- oasis in the desert as we move down to Brazil each time, we leave on Monday for Manaus and from Manaus after a few days there there 's a work in Manaus. We hope to fly up river to Santarém, which is about five hundred miles east of Manaus on the river Amazon so uh, i don 't intend to go into a port just now, but if you 're here this, this after this evening, I hope to show some. PowerPoint on the work that we have been engaged in in the Amazon region, so we do want to thank the brethren for this opportunity of reading the scriptures with you, and uh, I'll try and not to go over my time. <clears throat> I thought it might be appropriate if we read in john chapter twenty one it's the third appearance of the Lord to his disciples. John chapter 21, reading from the first verse. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. On this wise showed he himself there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael and of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was nigh come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he girt his fisher's coat unto him for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far from land but as it were two hundred cubits dragging the net with the fishes and as soon as they were come to land they saw a fire of coals there and fish led thereon and bread jesus saith unto them bring of the fish which ye have now caught simon peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes and hundred and fifty and three and for all there were so many Yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples After that, he was risen from the dead. That's all I wish to read. We know the Lord will add his blessing to his precious word as he has promised. The signs in John's gospel are quite a number. We have, some people think there are seven and uh, we would perhaps refer to uh, verse twenty, verse thirty of chapter twenty, when uh, John records, and many other signs, truly did Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, ye might have life through his name. The Bible tells us that the Jews require a a sign. Some time ago I was looking at this passage and I discovered that the word miracle has two different meanings in the original language. Those who know the Greek language tell us that the word dunamis, which is linked to our word dynamite would draw our attention to the power or the effect of the wonder that the Lord does. That word doesn't occur in John's Gospel. It occurs in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the same word that Paul used in Romans chapter 1 when he said, I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power, the dynamis, And uh, the word power really indicates the effect of the wonder that Christ did. As I say, this word does not occur in John's gospel. But the word sign, Simeon, is a completely different word and it gives a different connotation. The signs in John's gospel would indicate to us the teaching that's behind the wonder. And that's we have the, the difference. Dunamis doesn't occur in John's Gospel. But we have signs. Some people think there are seven. Others think there were eight signs in John's Gospel, one after the resurrection of Lazarus. And those of you who are familiar with the Gospel will remember that the first sign was at a marriage feast. And uh, we find that the last It was also in Galilee. And the last that we have read here, we might call the eighth sign, was also in Galilee. Both were performed in Galilee. Both of these signs preceded confessions. And we find that two confessions, one from Nathaniel and the other with Thomas, of course, who uh, wasn't there on the second occasion, when the Lord appeared to the disciples. In the first sign there was the lack of wine. In the last sign there was the lack of fish. And we find this similarity. The Lord commanded on both occasions and the was obeyed and followed. Water pots and nets were filled on both occasions. And we find that it was a numeration There were six water pots. There was 153 great fish. So there is a comparison with the first and the last of the signs. The first sign, water into wine. Israel, when the Lord came, was a sad nation because of those leaders, the priests. They didn't have what the people needed. The people needed to be fed. There was a sadness, there was a lack of happiness, which wine would speak to us of. The second sign, of course, was the nobleman's son that was healed, lacking in strength. The impotent man was, uh, the, sorry, the nobleman's son was lacking in health. He was sick. The impotent man was lacking in strength. The multitude that was needing fed in chapter 6 was needing sustenance. The walking in the sea, in the same chapter, verse 19, there was a passing storm. And of course, Israel was going through the storm with the Roman occupation. There was the blind man healed in chapter nine. And this sign, of course, showed that this, the man was sightless. He was needing illumination. Lazarus the seventh sign was brought to life he was dead and you know the Israel was needing life and when the Lord came he gave them life and here in this chapter uh, chapter 21 we find that it's the third time that the Lord appeared to his disciples you remember the first time it happened and. It says, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The second time was when Thomas was absent and uh, he made that great confession, one of the twelve called Didymus. It says he was not with them when Jesus came. And so we find that the third time that the Lord appeared to the disciples was here uh, in chapter 21. Just recently, I was noticing that uh, in Matthew chapter 28, the Lord designated a mountain to meet them in Galilee. And it wasn't that mountain that he ascended from. It was from the Mount of Olives. So there must have been a, a time when they left Galilee and went down to Bethany. Luke chapter 24 tells us that he ascended from Bethany. And of course, Acts chapter 1, when he was taken from them, and the disciples were looking up into heaven, and they had that uh, uh, exhortation from the angels, that this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. The Lord designated a mountain. And here we have seven of the disciples going down to the sea. In the chapter 21 here, we find some of them are mentioned. Two are left out. And the Lord in his wisdom would indicate where are the other four disciples. We don't know who they were. Because uh, two are not mentioned, it says two other disciples were with him. So we find that uh, in this place of uh, where they were, were the other four on the mountain? We don't know. But we do know that Peter uh, had a desire to go fishing. We don't know his motive. Was it because we would get something for the Lord when he comes? Well, we have fish for him when he comes, or his motive might have been otherwise. But one of the things that I've noticed, that there is a teaching from each mountain that we have in the Bible, and I don't intend if we haven't time to go into that, but it's good to remember that when we have the mountaintop experience, uh, we, and even in the Old Testament, we have Mount Ararat, we have Mount Moriah, we have Mount Sinai, we have Mount Hebron, Mount Zion and Mount Carmel. And there's teaching behind each of these mountains, which we don't intend to go into. But in the New Testament too, the mountain was the place of instruction. That's where they had that sermon in Matthew's Gospel. Place of temptation. When Satan tempted the Lord, it was on the mountain. Place of supplication. It says when he had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. It was the place of communion. And we find in Mark's gospel, when he was making the selection of the apostles, it says, after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter. Sorry. He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him, whom he would. In Mark chapter 1, he calls them from the sea, from the nets, from the fishing. In chapter 3, he calls them to the mountain, and it was in the mountain he made the selection of the disciples. Mountaintop experiences, mount of transfiguration. It says after six days he taketh Peter, James, and John, and leadeth up leadeth them into a high mountain apart by themselves as he was transfigured before them. Then in the book of Revelation, the site of the city in Revelation 21.10, it says, He carried me away in the Spirit into a great high mountain. And it it is also here the place of designation. It was the mountain experience. If we were to read in Ephesians, of course, all the believers have a mountaintop experience in the celestial uh, places that we have here. So uh, in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, Chapter 21, Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also will go with thee. So we have the influence of Peter and the other disciples. The Bible tells us that no man liveth unto himself. The Apostle Paul, especially at the end of the Romans, the epistle tells us that the influence that we can have in our eating or in our living, as an effect on others. So we have uh, seven of the disciples in a boat. When we uh, look at these disciples in the boat, of course, it says they're fishing all night. I don't know how many of you have been to Brazil, but when you go up the Amazon and go into some of the tributaries, we, also, we often think that it must be very similar to the fishermen in Galilee. We, we would see people at the side of the river, maybe just looking for their second meal. And uh, the nets would be up where they, they've been torn by the, the alligators. Sometimes they have problems with alligators going in after the fish, and they get caught up in the nets, and they break the nets. And very often, uh, when you go up these rivers, you probably, your mind's eye would go back to Galilee and think of the disciples and how similar it must have been in those days. In these little houses that they have, they're not very well off, but they, they do in the little houses, they have places for you to hang your hammock. They have a little table and a few little stoves around. Not very much of this world's goods. Maybe a little boat outside. But this is how they live. And, you know, they, we, we often think that it must have been very, very similar way back 2,000 years ago in Galilee. So the disciples are in the boat, and they're fishing. And that night, it says they caught nothing. It was a sad experience for them to face the elements and uh, all the insects that would be there. And uh, not an easy job uh, to be fishing. And it says that Jesus stood on the shore when the morning was nigh come. So they must have fished all night. They spent a lot of energy, as they usually do. And this energy, of course, ended in uh, not being able to catch the fish. Then we have the voice of the Lord. The Lord said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he asked them to do something which is quite illogical. To cast the net on the other side of the ship, of the boat. I have put this to fishermen. We work amongst fishermen in the Amazon. And I have asked them about this question of not having fish on one side and having fish on the other side. Do the fish not know how to swim underneath the boat? And, uh, of course, it is a tremendous miracle. And uh, we find that, that they couldn't bring the nets in because of the multitude of fishes. And then it says, That disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fish's coat on him, for he was naked and had cast himself into the sea he's no longer walking on the sea as he did on a previous occasion you remember that time when uh, he discovered it was the lord he got out of the boat and he started to walk on the water and when he saw the wind and the waves he began to sink and he said lord save me so we find here that peter is in the water and he's making his way across uh, the water to to the lord himself the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. You now I often wonder what went through their minds and how they obeyed the Lord in something which is completely illogical. He might ask us to do something that's illogical, that doesn't make sense. And he asked these fishermen to pull the nets up, put it on the other side, and all of a sudden, 153 great fish come into the nets. And one of the things that the Spirit has put here, it says, for all that there were so many fish, it says, yet was the net not broken. You remember that occasion? When the Lord told them to let down the nets, plural, and it says they let down the net, and it broke. It broke. So we find here that the Spirit of God adds these words, yet for all the fish that there were, the net wasn't broken. So we find here that Jesus, he said, Bring of the fish that ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153. And for all that, there were so many, yet. Was not the net broken? Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine, for none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, Lord, knowing that it was the Lord? What a morning that must have been for these disciples. Had they uh, customers waiting for these fish? They were in Galilee. And I often think, you know, when they were called in Mark chapter 1, they must have left not only the Father Zebedee and the boat and the servants and the nets to serve the Lord. You know, they they must have left their customers. As we know it, they, 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 in our area in Brazil, they would go and fish for perhaps four or five days in the lakes. And then put the fish into big boxes that they had. They filled with ice, put the fish in, and they on a Friday they would bring it into the the, the commercial area in Santaring, and there they would sell their fish. They had people waiting there, for them. they knew the people, and they must have left their customers to follow the Lord. I don't have time, but... There's quite a number of times in Mark's gospel when the Lord calls his disciples. He calls them. He calls them from the the nets. He calls them from things, and it's going to cost them something. And, you know, when the Lord calls us, it's going to cost us something. There is a cost involved in following the Lord. I often think of Peter, you know, when when the Lord was taken prisoner and was was taken to the judgment hall. It says Peter followed afar off. There are many Christians following afar off today because it's going to cost them something. Then we have the fire of coals, and Peter's warming his hands at the fire. Here we have a different fire with a barbecue on it. Barbecued fish, I can tell you. There's nothing better than barbecued fish when you go up to some of these rivers. And here everything was already for them, a ready plan. You know, the Lord said, take no thought for tomorrow. And some of us get anxious about tomorrow, about what it's going to be, and so on. And yet the Lord has provided. And one of the things that we can say over the number of years, some 45 years. I got a bit of a scare when the brother said 68 years. <laughs> if it was that, I would need some uh, facial surgery, I think. 68 years, no, it's 45 years only that we have been involved in the work. and We're very thankful to the Lord that he keeps his promise. He supplies all we need. And much more than that, he supplies the needs of others sometimes through us. And one of the reasons that we come back to Brazil each year is to help some of the dear believers who are working in the area and helping in the work. And, you know, the Lord does supply as he has promised. And we can testify to the fact that he is faithful. Never lets anyone down when he calls them to the work and these disciples were learning from the lord to go out and how thankful you and i must be this morning that the gospel came in our direction when we think of the so many countries who have never heard the gospel so many muslim countries millions on the planet Today, I've never heard it before and possibly will never hear it because of the regimes that exist throughout the world. We think of Egypt, we think of Syria at this moment, think of the Christians in those areas who are suffering. We need to remember them all in our prayers. And as we go back to Brazil again. We certainly would value the prayers of the dear saints that uh, we might see some blessing. On the 5th of September, we'll be at a conference in the middle of the forest, middle of the jungle as they call it in our area. And uh, quite a number of unbelievers will be there. We would value your prayers at this conference. It's some 70 miles from Manaus, right in the heart of the forest. And we certainly would value your prayers as we go back, that we might see some blessing. Some people think it's a great extravagance to go out to Brazil for three months or two months or whatever, just to see one soul saved. One soul. It's of more value than all this world. Just one. So we do value your prayers as we go back again. Gene always tells me not to go over the time, and I'm not going to go over the time this evening. But I just thought that these few uh, stammering remarks about the disciples would challenge us to be obedient to whatever he says. If taking the net from one side, and putting it on the other side. So be it. It's illogical. Paul said to the Roman church, which is going through tremendous persecution and hardship under Nero, he said, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, I take it it's logical service. For all we have been remembering this morning, the Lord sacrificed the distance that he came and all that he went through and the suffering on the cross. Surely it's only logical that you and I might try our best to obey him in the little while remaining. As you look around, and I'm sure you'll all agree, days are growing darker. The light of the testimony should shine that much brighter as the days grow darker around as families are disintegrating, as governments are at their wits' end, it should challenge us and remind us that the coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. And I do trust that these few remarks will help us as we go into another week and as we face our different tasks before us. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning. Amen. I just have a word of prayer shall we pray our father be bow in thy presence we thank thee for thy grace that finds us together and it's all because of thy son our Lord Jesus Christ the one who provides not only for his disciples but for all his people he said the birds of the air have nests the foxes have their holes but the son of man hath not where to lay his head and yet, our Father, he provides all these things for each one of us. We thank thee, our Father, for the material blessings that each one of us enjoy. We thank thee, our Father, for thy faithfulness over the years. Let me just pray as we conclude the meeting that we might be faithful to thyself in the little while remaining we look forward to that time when the lord himself will come back again we shall be changed and those who dear believers who have gone before who used to be in the meeting here even we remember some of them over the years they will be raised we will be changed Thy word declares that we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. We comfort our hearts this morning, remembering those who could not be with us. You think of those who are sick, those who are suffering, those who are going through times of trial. We pray, our Father, thy blessing upon thy people, that they may be comforted, and in thy will they might be restored to former, health, and strength again. We ask thy blessing now as we would part one from the other. And we ask all in the worthy and precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.